So I'm super excited to talk about this topic because it's super needed in our first gen community and our Latino community. And today I actually have my brother. He's a two timer on the show. Um, Patrick, he's back to talk about voting. Um, and Sarah, one of my closest friends from college, um, she's going to also be talking about voting. But I brought them both together. Uh, we're all coming together to talk about this this topic of voting. Um, I'd love for you guys to give a little background on who you are and why you're passionate about this topic. Let's start with Sarah. Oh, man. <laughs> Put me on the spot. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, shoot. Um, I mean, we all know how the last four years went. So <laughs> I think it's, you know, it's very much needed. But also, I think something like I've noticed is like, you know, conversations with family and like just seeing like mm -hmm. why it's important and like all the issues that have been going on just in the United States. I feel like goes back to voting. Like everything goes back to, you know, the people really have the power. And I think that's just something that we just need to be reminded of. Yeah, for sure. Um, what about you, Patrick? So as, as I said in the last uh, podcast, I, my, my love and passion for the, the community, especially the Latino African-American people of color community has only been exacerbated and been put on even more fire in recent times. Um, and really kind of to Sarah's point, it is because of that. It is because a lot of them have a history or a lot of our communities have a history of not having a voice, have a history of not feeling they can make impact or they can make change. Um, so re really the reason why my passion has started uh, burning even more because this is something I've been doing, but it's been, I've been much more vocal about it uh, other than my work and casual conversations. But in reality, it's because of that. A lot of people feel like they don't have a voice. They, they are not heard. And <clears throat> one of the best systems that our government has is the system of elections, the system of voting, um, which at times can be very daunting. It can be very, it could feel like it's manipulative, it, but if you know what to look out for, where to go for the resources, it makes it a whole lot easier on how I can make sure my voice is heard and how I can make sure my uh, my values are heard. So really, I'm here just to keep promoting and keep pushing the messaging of voting and the fact that your voice does matter. Your voice is your your voice is your voice, and nobody can take that away from you. But there's a a systemic way that you can make sure your voice is heard um, aside from having these types of conversations offline or having them with family. Um, so I'm really here just to continue encouraging and pushing people to vote and to make sure they're heard. Yeah. I mean, speaking of families, I, you know, voting wasn't really ingrained in, in our, in our family, Patrick. And like, I don't, I don't even know if like mommy and papi ever talked about the importance of voting or politics, um, we always kind of leaned on, you know, God will make whatever needs to happen, happen. At least that's what, you know, I really remember from any type of political talk. It was like, well, God's just going to put whoever in power, right? And talking about the first, you know, first gen, we go through a lot of first experiences and we're all first gens here. We're all Latinos. So when I think about the first time 
I voted. I was hella lost. I like did not know. I didn't even do my research, to be honest. Like I I only knew the presidents and then that's who I voted for. Then the rest of them, I just kind of like left it blank. And I know that's problematic. And I feel like now more than ever, I see the importance of voting. But I'm going to be honest, I didn't see um, the value in it because there was so much rumors about like, oh, your voice doesn't really matter. Electoral college, like things, these things are not like taught to you. And so I want to know about your first experience voting. Like, what was that like? And either of you can jump in. Like, I think in our community, like, you know, I grew up with a lot of people that were undocumented and then, you know, they just minded their own business and just like went about like even my mom, like most of my life, my mom was undocumented and my dad was a citizen. And however, my mom very much taught me to use my voice. Like even in the classroom, I think I mentioned this to Patrick when we synced up that, you know, I was always that kid that raised their hand. I was always the one that spoke up. And I'm really glad that my mom did that because now I can't shut up. (laughs) And so, and I think that's really important. Like, I think like, I'm really glad she ingrained that in me because I know not everyone can speak up and like, you know, they don't feel confident to. And so like, that's why like, I'm also passionate to like talk about this because, you know, hopefully like people hear it and they really want to speak out because I think it's really easy to not. I guess the first time voting, I was, it was 2012. So Obama's second term and I'm, and I didn't know how to go about it. Right. Like at all. It felt like applying to college all over again. Yeah. High key though. Yeah. I was like, how do I even do this and so I registered I was registered and turns out I was registered in the wrong county because I was you know my parents lived um like an hour and a half away and that's where I was registered in my hometown but I was living in San Jose and I was like oh my god how do I even vote now and honestly I was like well I still have to vote I know I'm in the wrong county but I still have to vote so I, I just went down to the voting station and I was like look I'm in the wrong county but like, I still want to vote. And then they're like, okay, well, we'll do what we can. Um, but like, it may not count just because it's like, you know, the election day. And I was like, I don't care. I need to vote for Obama. <laughs> um, yeah. And honestly, like that was wild because I was just really like bummed that like, you know, like luckily, you know, we're in California <laughs> and like, we're usually blue. And so, but yeah, I was like, damn, I don't know if this counts, but I, I hope that this worked and then the next year like obviously now 2016 is the next one and I made sure I did that right (laughs) yeah what about you Patrick so my first time voting um so let me back up the reason why I even got into voting uh so I I was in school for my bachelor's in criminal justice and for the longest time I thought you know what I'm gonna be a police officer I'm gonna be a police officer I'm gonna be a police officer but when I started looking more into it, I had a different lens. I had, there's a lot of laws I, I don't agree with. There's a lot of policies I don't agree with. And what sparked it for me was in 2008, I wasn't able to vote because I was not 18 on day of election. So I couldn't vote. Um, so I didn't follow it as much. I was still very... Uh, taken aback at the fact that we had a person of color running on the ticket and 
and that there was a high likelihood that he would become president. So I was still involved to a certain degree, but I wasn't as vocal or as active mm -hmm. um, because I couldn't vote. So it, to me at that time, at my young 17-year-old mind, it, was, it wasn't important. It, whatever happens, happens. But so he, he became president. I started mm -hmm. learning more. Two years later, you have uh, the local election. So county executives, you have your city council members, you have all the different ballots and propositions. But one thing that came out of my, <clears throat> excuse me, my bachelor's uh, program was the, the want and desire to see a lot of policy change. So at this time, if you had one gram of crack cocaine on you, that would equal the same sentence if somebody had 100 grams of pure cocaine. And when you would look at the, at the chemical makeup, and I'm not going to get into it because I'm not a biologist or a chemist, but when you look at the chemical makeup, there's not a lot different in, in either one. They have a lot of the same properties except crack. You can, <clears throat> you can make it into a rock. You can make uh, a lot more of because you're adding baking soda and all this other stuff, and you're selling it and whatever. But the biggest difference between the two was the user. Crack cocaine was being used by minorities, people of color in poor uh, communities and poor neighborhoods, while cocaine, 100 grams especially, because you got you to gotta think about the, the size of it. 100 grams of cocaine, who's going to have 100 grams of cocaine? You're not going to go to the east side of San Jose or to Chicago or to all these other areas that are uh, historically marginalized, and you're not going to find 100 grams of cocaine on one person unless they're selling and distributing, whatever, but you're not going to find it in these poor communities. You're high, there's a high likelihood for you to find it in poor communities, uh, with crack cocaine in poor communities. So just that disparity alone showed me, you know what this is? This is not really, quote unquote, the war on drugs. This is more, how can I, how, how can I really impact one population versus another? And people have no yeah, idea. How can I easily criminalize them? Yeah, and people have no idea what's going on. And the ones that did, or the ones that didn't know this was going on were the ones that were most likely to be affected by it. It's a, it was a systemic mm -hmm. uh, policy that really marginalized one group of, uh, one group of the populace versus 100 mm -hmm. grams of cocaine. If you can afford 100 grams of cocaine, you could probably afford a lawyer that's going to help you through the process. And so I saw that mm -hmm. disparity, and then I actually saw Obama um, on his address when he brought it down to 18 grams of cocaine. So it's still not, still not even, still not really adequate one-to-one, -one, but he brought it down from 100 to 18. And I started looking, I'm like, wow, that's, that, he has the power yeah. to do that. I, I want to look into it more. I want to see what else he has the power and authority to do. And so that's when I started doing more of my research. And then, uh, like I was saying, a couple years later, you have a marijuana proposition on the California ballot. And it... On paper, it seemed great. Yeah, legalized marijuana, great, let's do it. But then because of my my annoying nature of, is there more? <laughs> I kept reading into it, and then I saw how sloppy this proposition was written, how poorly the regulations were be, and how poor the real, um, the real criminal aspect to it was addressed. And so that was my first time voting, and I actually... That's really what got me to start looking at the entire ballot. I, on paper, love the idea of decriminalizing marijuana because it was really a marginal, uh, a tool that was marginalizing a population. So I looked into it and I voted no for that one.
And I remember getting the same amount of flag from my college friends and all of them saying, what? Everybody does it. Why shouldn't why shouldn't it be legal? This and this. And having those conversations with them about, but did you read the rest of it? You read the title, but did you read the rest of it? And I didn't I didn't blame them because before that I was literally just looking at the mm-hmm. titles of the propositions and debating whether it sounded good or not to me. And I'd look at whoever was running and at that point I'm like, I, I didn't do much research. So I would look at, huh, there's a Latino running. I'm gonna check him. Or I was me too. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or oh, I have no idea who this person is, but they're uh, a Democrat running against a Republican. No, I'm just going to vote for the Democrat. And and I feel like that's where a lot of our country is right now. They vote per party lines, not really understanding or knowing the impact mm-hmm. um, that a lot of these people will have, or the impact that a lot of these policies, ballot measures will have. And so my first time. Yeah. Again. Our family, like you said, Jasmine, we we didn't really take voting seriously growing up. I cannot recall any conversation with mm-hmm. our parents talking about why voting is important or talking about why we should have our voice heard uh, in that realm. And it was never something that was really ingrained yeah. in us. And and honestly, it goes back to the to the voice part. Our communities of color don't really feel like we have a voice. Yeah. We don't really feel like we can impact change or make change. And growing up, it was more of don't get involved in the system yeah. in any means. Stay out of trouble. And to, yeah, stay yeah. out of trouble. So don't get involved in the system. The system is not for us. Just live your happy life away from it. <laughs> and, you know, now that you mentioned that, it's I, I had this conversation with Bobby, um, with our dad the other day, and he he told me something that got me really sad, <laughs> but it's probably the mentality that they've kept their entire lives here in the United States. But my dad was like, you know, this isn't our land anyway. This is the Gavacho's yeah. land, you know? And I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, but I was born here. Patrick was born here. He's like, yeah. He's like, you guys are a part of it. He's like, but we're not. This is, we weren't, we, we're not from here. This isn't our land. And it made me so sad because this is like an immigrant mentality. Oh. It's like we come to this this place, right, to start a better life for our families. But it's kind of like, well, this isn't ours, though. So there's that sense of no soy de aquí. You know, it's, we talk about this a lot, like no soy de aquí ni de allá. Like our families, our families feel like no son de aquí. Like this isn't their country. They just came here for a better life. And it's really sad to think about. But I want to I want to jump into you know, why, why is it important for us to vote? And I love Patrick that you mentioned local and, you know, um, state, and you mentioned those types of votings too, because I'm gonna be real. i never did my research on those two areas. <laughs> I like, even like doing the voting now, I'm like reading up on these people. I was like, wow, why didn't I not do this before? I'm like, these people have like real impact, like from the judge judicial to like, who are, who's going to run our, our education board? Like those things are so important, but I want to talk about it from your perspectives. Like why, why is this important? Yeah, no, I don't know. Like, I think the first time I voted, I think that's where I was really like, you know, like I said, I didn't know how to go about it. I just knew I needed to vote. But once I like, you know, I was a sophomore, I just went downtown and just like, you know, popped on in and I was like, can I have a ballot? And they're like, sure. I'm registered. And then, but then when I got the ballot, I was, I was so shook because I was, I didn't feel 
okay, so I'm going to say this, but this is not what, let me explain. So I didn't feel qualified. I didn't feel qualified because when I got the ballot, there was so much on there that I was like, I don't know who any of these people are. I don't know what these measures even mean. And, and that was, I, and I really don't like, I think most people do just go in and vote, but the next time I did it, I like, I went home, like I, I did the mail-in ballot because I really don't understand how people can just go in and vote unless you're, you know, you're constantly listening to the news and you really know like what the measures are and like, you know, every single person, but there's like almost no way to really do that. And even when I got the mail-in ballot the second time I voted and I sat down, I sat down for hours, <laughs> like, cause I really wanted to do it right. And it is a lot of work, but I just don't know yeah. how anyone can just go into a into a polling station and just really on the fly just vote because there's a lot on there and it's really right. impactful. Like I just and it sucks that that's not taught. Like that's really not taught because it's really our duty to just go in there, do our research, and then vote because. Like even yeah. we even get to pick who our sheriff is, which most people like don't really know. And usually they're they run unopposed. <laughs> like even yeah. that, I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot. And it's just super important because there's so many things that just, you know, they just slap something on the ballot and then they're like, you know, people won't even notice it. And it'll pass and it'll affect so many things and it'll domino affect a bunch of stuff. And and we really had the power the whole time. It was just on a piece of paper that we just didn't understand. Yeah. How do you, you know, there's a lot of, I think a lot of people know the importance of voting, especially now. I mean, you go on social media and that's the first thing you're going to see, right? Like vote, be registered to vote, or like, these are the voting deadlines, which I love. And it's amazing. How do you get over the hump of people saying, well, our vote doesn't count anyway, because of these things. And I know there's fallacies in that. And I would love for one of you to kind of go over that misconception of, well, the electoral college chooses anyway, or our voice doesn't really matter. Oh, man, that's a lot. I mean, I've been trying to do like more research on that, too. And I think at the end of the day, people in power are afraid of us. So because they constantly try to change laws to make sure people can't vote. Like they constantly make sure that our communities, the Latino communities, there are no polling places. Like, I mean, there are, but like they're none compared to like, you know, the affluent white like places, right? Like they go out of their way to make sure that, you know, minorities and people that wouldn't really, you know, that they don't represent because they don't choose, they don't want to represent they make sure that we can't vote and that our vote doesn't count. But yeah, if people go out there and people, you know, make sure that there are polling, like, you know, get polling places to our communities or even one of my good friends, shout out to Omar. Um, he posted on his IG and he, he just said, hey, if you need a ride to a polling station, I will drive you because it's true. They're not yeah. in our communities and some people don't have the ability to just take a bus during a pandemic and vote or, you know, which is really mm -hmm. great that like a lot of states are doing the mail-in as they should, but a lot yeah. also aren't. And I think one thing I want to mention is that we are very lucky 
to live in California because we don't have to deal with a lot of the shenanigans that go on in other parts of the country of, you know, making sure that the polling stations aren't available, you know, taking out the postal service um, and stuff like that. That just, we're really lucky in California because things are a lot worse in other parts of the country for, for our people. Yeah, for sure. Patrick, can you explain to us, you know, how, how do we go about voting and what are some things that we have to understand when it comes to voting? Yeah. Um, first, I do want to build on what Sarah said. The important is, it is very important to vote. It is very important to have your voice heard. And if anyone thinks that their voice does not matter or their, their voice isn't heard or their vote doesn't matter, I would just I would just ask them to do one thing. Turn on the TV, go to your local news, and see how many different efforts throughout this country governments are trying to suppress the vote. If your vote did not matter, states like Texas would not Mm -hmm. be putting in almost election day ready um, laws and regulations that say there's only one ballot drop drop box per county. So that means somebody on one side of the county yep. has to drive three hours back and forth in order to drop off their ballot. If if your vote did not matter, states like Ohio wouldn't make only one designated area yep. in the county as well as a ballot drop-off box. You wouldn't see the president actively trying to destroy mm-hmm. uh, mail-in ballot, which has been around for decades, if your vote did not matter. <clears throat> Everyone's vote matters. And I know there's a misconception of if if I if I vote it doesn't matter because it's whatever the electoral college uh, decides. Well, guess who gets to decide who makes up the electoral college? We do. There are 538 votes for the electoral college, and they're all made up by U.S. Congress people, Congress members, so House of Representatives and the 100 senators and the three District of Columbia um, votes that they're given. So we, by virtue, still have the power mm-hmm. to affect the outcome of every presidential, uh, Senate, uh, House of Representatives, state, county, local, whatever election it is, as the populace, as the people, we have that power, we have that authority. The issue is a lot of us do not take the time to actually look at it, and, and rightfully so, because if you look at even ballot measures, you see a ton of jargon, a ton of words that nobody uses in daily life that are put onto this because they purposely try to make it vague, <laughs> ambiguous, yeah. and hard to difficult to understand. You almost need a law degree to look at all these ballot measures and mm-hmm. understand fully what they mean. But there are a ton of resources. So what I would... Um, what I would recommend to people on, okay, I want to vote, how do I vote, is start off by making a plan. If your state does early voting, do the early voting. Take advantage of this so that way you know your ballot is being counted, you know your vote is being counted, and that your voice is going towards the cause that you yourself advocate for. So make a plan. Yeah, and there's tracking. You can track where your ballot is. And then when you send it out, you know, what happens to it? 
Yes, many states have, so California has a ballot tracking. Many states have the same feature to where you can get notifications. Your ballot's on the way. Your ballot's at the post office. We have received your ballot, ballot accepted. You can even see if your ballot wasn't accepted and it'll tell you why. Forgot to sign the back or forgot to include this. And just because it didn't count, like, and that's why you have to vote early, right? You can get that notification. Or, and I know not all states do that, but if you, obviously, if you, you know, you get this, if it doesn't count, you can still go the day of, or you can go to the voting register and just say, I need a new ballot. I need a vote. And then they will disregard that other ballot and you can still vote and make sure it counts. You know, you can still fix that mistake, whatever that may be. And then, you know, and then going back on the resources, there's um there's a website for people in California that's called Cal Matters, and that breaks down every measure um, that's on the ballot. I know that I'm sure there's other states and other resources that will probably do the same. Um, what else? What else? The, what else is there, Patrick? <laughs> <laughs> it's unfortunate. Um, the the lengths you have to go to in order to make sure your vote is counted this election. Um, but in all in all honesty, it's kind of nice because it reassures everyone. Hey, you know what? My vote does matter. If if they're trying to make it harder, it's for a reason. So let me take a look at what actually what I actually need to do. So if I want to mail it in, I should mail it as soon as I can. It is, the election day is November 3rd, but you want to make sure your ballot is already in hand at your county registrar voters so that they could just count your vote and not have to wait for it, not have to uh, hope that it's there, not have to not have to look at your notifications constantly on the day of to make sure you, that they received it. Mail it in as soon as you can. If you can't mail it in, if your state, your county doesn't allow that, then look at what the other options are. If if you could vote in person and you feel comfortable doing so, do it in person. I would strongly recommend to remember the guidelines around COVID because it, this this virus has not gone away. So wear your mask, socially distance yourself. And if you have to, if you feel the need, get tested. If you have no idea on how to do it, you can look at your county public health website and they should have all the resources there. If you still can't, you can reach out to me day or night, uh, weekday or weekend. It doesn't matter. It, it's all, this is this is important year because we are being told how much our voice does not matter while they're working to make sure it doesn't. So if, if you can, again, mail it in. If you can't, find a polling place near you, um, your designated polling place near you, and make a plan on how you'll wear a mask, how you'll socially distance. If that's still not an option, Look at what ballot drop boxes there are. If you're in a state like Texas or Ohio where they really are trying to suppress the vote and are being actively vocal about it, then let's figure it out. How can we work around them? How can we work around the people that are elected, that our states, our counties elected? How can we work around them to make sure that our voice is heard, our vote is, uh, is counted? There are many different ways to do it. And, and quite honestly, this is the year where we need to show these people that we elected, that our voice does matter. And just as easy as they got in, we could get them out. Yeah. Yep. And I was going to say that um, something that I heard from America Ferreira, she said, the election ends 
November 3rd. The election is now. So that's why, like, you know, we have to do our research. Make sure you get your ballot. Make sure you know what you're voting for. And the example that Patrick gave, you know, like he voted against like the marijuana bill. Like we have to look like just because that doesn't mean you're against marijuana. It's you're against like how it was written. Yeah. Right. Like we have to be smarter voters. We have to know like what's there. And then another resource, which I don't know if you two got a chance to watch yet, was, you know, on Netflix explained like who like they have a a mini series on like voting. And that was like really eye opening. Like this, it's not just the selection, right? It's everything moving forward. If anything that Trump gave us was fuel to really have a say, to really fight for what we really believe in. So, you know, they can they can try all they want, but we really have the power. And I, I really hope that, you know, we like our community really sees that we are so powerful. We are so incredibly powerful. We just got to be smarter. We just got to be attentive and we we can't let off. We just can't. So, Jasmine, if you if you can allow me, I do want to talk about sort of real quick the different levels of government that do exist. Yes, please do. Please do. Okay, so for your local, your very local, you're going to have your cities. Uh, so they're labeled municipalities. You're going to have your cities, your towns, your boroughs. These are, this is really where the rubber hits the road for government. Is your park in good condition? Is your trash being picked up? Do you have curbs? Do you have, um, ele- do you have sustainable electricity? Are you always facing blackouts? All of these different local matters are done at your municipal level, at your city, town, borough um, level. So the person in charge of these local governments is either one or two, um, one of two, either a mayor or a city manager or a city executive. <clears throat> so they are really the ones that make sure your trash is picked up. They are the ones that make sure you have clean parks. They're the ones that make sure that you have clean running water. So these are the elected officials that really have the biggest impact in your daily life. So if you're walking around and you see a bunch of litter, you see a bunch of illegal dumping, you see a bunch of um, just different things that culminate into the broken windows theory, if you see a, a poor looking tore up community, people are more likely to continue tearing it up. The ones that are responsible for that are your mayors, your city managers, and your council members. Each township, city, municipality has a small board that make daily decisions on your daily life. And depending on what county, what state you're in, you have your council members. And they're the ones that literally on a daily basis have to look at this. So, for example, here in San Jose, there are 10 council districts, each one roughly made up by 100,000 people. If you live in Council District 7, you the person responsible for that is a council member representing that district. So if you have no adequate parks, if you have poor litter pickup, if you have poor waste management, that is your direct line to your local government. And then on top of them, you have your mayor and your city manager. Depending again on what city, you may have two, you, you, may, you may have both of them, you have one or the other, but they're the ones that are ultimately 
responsible for the running of your entire city, not just your council district. On the county level, you have county executives. Where county and, and city municipality differ is the county is responsible for the human services. So they're responsible for health. They're responsible for, uh, so all types of health, mental, behavioral, uh, physical health, medical health. They're the ones that are responsible for the hospitals in your county. They're the ones that are responsible for the services that are being provided to you. How many adequate school um, programs are there? They're responsible for that. School nutrition, through the state, they are responsible for that. And what the big difference is, municipality, in general, um, and I'm not going to get too fine into the details, but you can make a city anywhere. A city can be made up by a large group of people that can afford it, per se. Ca counties, they are designated by the state government. So I know my people in San Martin, I'm sorry, I know you guys have tried year after year. They, if they have the financial means to do so, can become their own city. Boom. Nobody else is needed. We just need to make sure that we can provide services and we can provide public mm -hmm. safety. If that's contracting with the county sheriff or having our own police force, we just got to make sure we can afford it. No involvement needed by the state versus a county, a state has to, they have to put legislation forward to create a county. So the county is literally a direct, a direct branch of the state at a more local level. So I, I want to make sure people understand those two differences, because even here in San Jose, I've heard <clears throat> many times, defund the police and give that money to education. Well, guess what? Your city, they have authority over the police. They have no authority over education. Mm -hmm. That is something that at a county level must be done. And we won't get into defunding the police because I know that's a large <laughs> topic and that could be its own podcast session. Yeah, um, it's a whole rabbit hole. We're it's a whole rabbit hole. Yeah. But then, so at your county level, again, you have your county executives, your supervisors, and your sheriff. Your sheriff is responsible for all law enforcement within the county. Yes, cities have their own police um, and law enforcement, but ultimately the county is the overarching one. They don't cross jurisdictions too often, but they are responsible for the entire county and unincorporated areas of each city. Counties also have district attorneys and public defenders or the head public defenders. These two are typically ones that are elected. So if you have a bunch of rich people getting off easy in your county, and it's a theme and it's a pattern, there's probably something that's needed at the very top. Fortunately, in our county, you even have mm -hmm. uh, a controversy with our own sheriff right now, and the district attorney isn't turning a blind eye, they're investigating it. That's the type of district attorney I want. Somebody who's gonna represent the people, not somebody who's gonna represent their colleagues. Judges, judges are a huge thing, and I know if you've been following federal uh, government, you can see how important these judges are. Some of them are elected within county um, systems. So I would take a look. Who is the judge that is running? Many of these are lifetime terms. So it's important to know who the heck is deciding laws or who the heck is deciding cases in my county. Because that's really going to show me who they are. Are they going to be more for the people? Are they going to be more for the constitution or are they going to be more for a certain political party or a certain class uh, or a certain socioeconomic group and then i'll i'll quickly go through state uh so governors they're pretty much your mayor of the state 
they make sure everything is being done in your state from public safety to um, overseeing state agencies. So the EDD here in California, the Employment, De um, Employment Development Department, they are the ones that are cutting you the unemployment insurance checks. They have had an, an antiquated system for so long that it's now being uh, pretty much just obliterated by the demand and need because of the COVID-19 pandemic. The governor is responsible for that. He's responsible for that state department, such as mm -hmm. the highway patrol, which is a statewide police. You have all these different state level um, offices and departments that the governor oversees. And the governor can also put executive orders and he is the final authority on budget for the state. So he has a, he or she, I'm sorry, I'm saying he because we have Gavin Newsom. Um, this, the governor has a lot of authority over how laws and regulations are impacted and created at the state level. Marijuana is legal in California. The governor has something to do with that. If you go to New Mexico, that may not be the case. So it, the governor has a huge role and they're the ones mm -hmm. that interface with the president, they interface with Congress a lot more because they're responsible for the management of that entire state. State le state legislators, they you're going to hear Senate versus state Senate. You're going to hear uh, representative versus assembly member. Assembly and state Senate are within the state. They are responsible for creation of laws and policies that ultimately get passed or uh, rejected. So there are many version of Congress here in the state. They also create, <clears throat> excuse me, budget and budget proposals. So if there's a lack of funding in a certain area, a state senator or an assembly member may bring it up as a potential budget proposal. Ultimately, it goes to the governor. The governor can literally, he has what's called blue line authority, where he can delete things with a blue pencil. And while he could decrease things, he can't increase things. So there's a checks and balance. But your state sent your state legislators, they're the ones that are responsible for creating the policies that define stuff like crime, um, procedures for responding to crime, sentencing structures, and so on. Now you get to your federal where people start hating government. <laughs> um, your federal government, you have your House of Representatives and you have your senators. These two um, yeah. these two houses are your direct representation from your state at the federal level. So if you look at your at your federal level and you say, wow, they don't represent anything that California uh, stands for. They don't represent anything that South Carolina stands for. That's because they've been there and nobody's really checked them. They have no term limits. They could be a senator from the minute they're elected till they die because a lot of times they run unopposed or they just run and they're comfortable with it and nobody really knows what they are. One that I'll highlight right now is the South Carolina Senator race where you have Jamie Harrison versus Lindsey Graham. And Lindsey Graham is literally a staple of the Senate. He's been there for decades and he's run pretty unopposed each time because there's never been a contender that's been seriously considered. But now South Carolinans are looking and they're saying, and they're seeing for themselves that he's not really representative of the people. He's more representative of the party and of the president. So he's not holding the virtues of the state at that federal level. 
And that's really where we have the power. We can say, you know what? Mm-hmm. We liked you, but we don't like you anymore because you stopped representing us. <clears throat> you stopped representing the interests of California, of South Carolina, Texas, so on. You have now been representing the interests of Congress, the interests of the president, the interests of your political party. And honestly, I don't know anybody that would rather have somebody represent somebody else than them or another group that has nothing to do with you than yourself. It's like having an attorney and they're representing the good of the court versus representing you. It's like, no, like you're, you're supposed to be up yeah. there representing me. You're supposed to be fighting for me, the people. So that's, and president, we all know the president, let's get him out of office, whatever. Um, if you want to see more of my actual feelings about this president, and they're all factual based, you can definitely check out my Instagram. <laughs> um, but these are the three levels. You have your local, state, and federal. And each one has a very important role in your daily life or in what your afflictions may be or in what inequalities or inequities you may see. When you have an entire branch of government telling you there is no such thing as systemic racism and you see and live it on your daily basis, there's a huge disconnect. But the reason why is because many of us have not made our voices heard. Many of us have not held them in check. Many of us have just continuously, continuously allowed them to sit there election after election without having any serious repercussions for not representing us. But that is the importance as to why we must know what the different levels are. And I know I went on a huge rant slash tangent slash lecture. So I'm a you too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I I do want to wrap up because I know we're over time a little bit, but I usually end these with, you know, what do you want to manifest? And I think like (laughs) I'm a big believer in the power of manifestation and like putting things out there and putting action behind it. So I want to give you two a chance to one, say how can people connect with you? And two, what do you want to manifest for this election for, you know, the voter turnout and the first gen Latino community? Um, just what do you want to manifest in that in that respect? And um, yeah, I'll start with you, Sarah. Sure. Uh, let's see. Like, I really hope and I know it's generational and I see it constantly with our generation that things are changing. But I really hope that we see in the Latino community that we really do have the power and I really hope that we own it. And I really hope, you know, I mean, we're going to do it. We are already. I see it among our friends and the community, but, you know, I really hope we own it. And I really hope that we see our voice. Yeah. What about you, Patrick? So I'll make sure I won't make this a campaign speech, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep it short and nice. Really what I, what I wanna see is the community take the power it has. I know, I know a lot of communities feel helpless. They feel like they are powerless. They feel like they can't make the change. And I can't stress that enough because it, it, it angers me because it's within their grasp, but a lot of them just don't know. So I really wanna see my, yeah. my hermanos, my hermanas, my brothers, my sisters, I, I want to see everybody take hold of that power and really make their voice heard, really see the importance of how they can affect, how they can impact 
all the BS that we're seeing on the news, how they can impact the fact that we could have had a better mm -hmm. response to this pandemic, how they can impact that we could have we could have had a much better plan for healthcare, how they can impact all of those things. And instead of just us staying in our own circles and our own silos and our own bubbles and, and complaining about them, no, let's turn that complaint into action. Because it's like the old saying says, I could complain all I want, but, a, but complaining is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do and takes you nowhere. So it's time for us to actionize those words. It's time for us to make something, make a next steps, make a plan out of the frustration that our communities have had for decades. And for my first generation Latinos um, or other immigrants into this country who have parents, who have family members that can't vote because they're either undocumented or um, they just aren't legally allowed to, I say, do it for them. I'm doing it for the community at large. I'm doing it for, I'm doing it for the public good. I'm doing it to really restore the, restore the soul of the country. I mean, you, we have never seen a time before where we have been this divided. And the reason why we're this divided is because of a single entity that can be removed from office spewing hate, spewing evil. And quite frankly, we're having families break, be broken up. We're having friends no longer being friends. We're having people be exposed for some of the evil thoughts and uh, feelings they have had towards other people just because of their skin color, just because of their um, sexual orientation. I mean, it's this is a crazy time in our lives, but at the same time, this is something that we have authority and control over. This is something that we have the power to change. And I want everybody, especially our, our communities of color, I want everybody to take hold of that power and make it into something. So that is what I will keep pushing for. And that is something that I want to see manifested, especially in the Latino and um, Latino and African-American culture where and communities where we don't see that on a daily basis. We're not told that on a daily basis. We're told the opposite. We're told our voice doesn't matter. Yeah. But that's that's a fallacy. Our voice matters, and it's time we start expressing it. Well, thank you both for being here. Cheers. Salud. I'm probably, I'm already done with mine, but Salud, my <laughs> cheers. Cold brew.